0: Welcome to series two of the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcast. I'm Leslie Goodburn and I decided to develop the podcasts after the death of my husband Seth from pancreatic cancer. I wanted to help others understand the disease, its impact, the work that goes on every day to find treatments and hopefully one day a cure. Throughout the series you'll be accompanied by me and my friend Charlotte Foster from Charlotte Foster Productions and we'll talk all about the aspects of the disease, from biology to emotional and physical impact. Along the way, we'll meet patients, families, doctors, nurses, oncologists, researchers, lots of different people with varied and different interesting experiences of the disease. The podcast will be frank about the reality of the disease. They will show the commitment and dedication of people working to support a breakthrough in a cancer where survival rates have barely changed in the last 50 years, but they will also focus on the love, the community of support and personal stories of those whose lives are affected. So join us on our second journey of discovery via the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, made in memory of Seth Goodburn.
1: Today, November the 21st, is World Pancreatic Cancer Day. Obviously, November, the whole month, is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. But today, in particular, is World Pancreatic Cancer Day. So we've got some global guests. First of all, you're going to hear a conversation with Leslie and Clara. Now, Clara is based in Canada, but she used to be the Deputy Chief Executive for Pancreatic Cancer UK before she moved back to Canada. And uh, Leslie and Clara, well, I'll let Leslie and Clara explain their friendship.
2: My name is Clara McKay. I have uh, worked in patient advocacy for nearly 20 years, all of that in cancer. Uh, Most recently, I've worked in uh, pancreatic cancer, including work with the World Ovarian uh, Pancreatic Cancer Coalition.
0: I'm Leslie Goodburn, um, and I've got experience of pancreatic cancer from the point of view of my husband being diagnosed with it and kind of going through that experience of care through the journey until Seth's death. Seth was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and unfortunately died 33 days after diagnosis. And shortly after the funeral, I contacted Pancreatic Cancer UK because I wanted to do something to kind of help in some way to use the experience that Seth and I had had to help others. Um, Sent off a message and got a message back from somebody called Clara, who contacted me and we had a phone call. And at that point in time, for me, everything was very raw the loss was so new i was just completely and utterly devastated by what had happened but i was absolutely certain that i wanted to share what had happened try and help others and and that was how i came to talk to clara and from there we kind of we did quite a lot of work together in quite a short time
2: so I remember very clearly when Leslie first got in touch with Pancreatic Cancer UK, um, in my job with the charity, I came into contact with many people on a daily basis who, have, who had been affected by pancreatic cancer, either personally or a loved one or carer. Um, But Leslie was to me very special. There are some people who are very eloquent and very elegant in how they talk about their experience. And it really, it really moved me. I literally remember sitting at my desk and and talking to Leslie on the telephone and sharing, she was sharing some of the final days of Seth's life in hospital and the small targets and ambitions that they had together that they really struggled to meet and it was um it just moved me it was a very profound experience that she shared and I, and I felt there was um I felt I wanted to know more and to learn more but also that Leslie definitely had something of value to to bring to the the pancreatic cancer community
1: so, so what happened next then what, what were the next moves Oh, gosh. So I think, Leslie, we probably
2: had lunch. (laughs) I think think there were several lunches. And I definitely remember, you know, lots of, Leslie had lots of ideas that she wanted to do. But I think at some point in that, in those conversations, I I decided I wanted to definitely work with Leslie to try and capture her experience uh, as part of a video. So Leslie and a, a, a number of other um, people who were associated with the charity um, actually did come together and make a, a very powerful video. So that's that was what I, I remember taking away from our meetings.
0: Yeah, I, I, I remember that well. I remember the conversation. I remember that you invited me along to the patient and care board. Right. I remember coming to London to meet people. And, and I remember feeling really quite apprehensive of meeting people who'd survived survived pancreatic cancer. Um, because I felt like I was bringing a kind of heart. I was the harbinger of doom for the for the people who'd survived, so I felt really uncomfortable in some way sharing my experience with Seth. I remember meeting people who, unfortunately, are no longer with us. There was Marie and Steve. I remember those, those two people really, really clearly, um, and I remember having that conversation. I think it might have been the first year that you had a world pancreatic cancer awareness day internationally yeah. i vaguely remember doing doing part of a video um but i remember being it was probably the first time that i'd come into contact with people who'd experienced the disease in a different way than i had and that that was quite quite humbling to to listen to people's experience of surviving pancreatic cancer and made me very emotional in terms of thinking that Seth didn't survive. So I remember that very, very clearly. And then I remember the film. I remember coming down to, the, I think it was the Arsenal football stadium. Um, I remember that really clearly. I remember being petrified. It was the November. Seth had only died in the June. So it felt like it was all very raw and very new. Um, and I've recently watched that video back and the things that I'm saying there, nothing, absolutely nothing has changed um, in terms of the messages that I was given. Everything is exactly the same. And I'm immensely proud of being involved in that and having the opportunity to be involved. And I think in terms of the patient and carer board, I've been involved with the patient and carer board now for nearly five years. And that patient and carer board kind of evolved from where it was five years ago to where it is now, the kind of work that we're doing, how we're able with people who've um, lost people to pancreatic cancer, as well as people who survived, able to kind of shape the thinking of the charity. um, That's immensely rewarding too.
2: Yeah, no, it's so important. And what Leslie has been talking about, the patient and carer board, um, and that was very new. I think Leslie would have been one of the founding members on that group. And, I, again, I think it just comes, for me, comes back to, and I'm very proud to have worked for Pancreatic Cancer UK, a charity that really recognized the, um, not just importance, but necessity of of having that really direct experience um, to shape the charity's work and its priorities. And And many of the board members will have personal connections, but there's just something about the quality of, Feedback and um, uh, rigor, and you know, understanding that that board brings, and 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 as Leslie was mentioning, names are people that um, I think it's very it's very difficult. And Leslie, you've experienced this firsthand, but difficult that you um, in in this kind of work and in pancreatic cancer, perhaps more so than other cancers, you come across people who are very very special and it's an amazing opportunity to have them in your lives and they really impact on you and they really shape, you know, either your work and and you personally. But, but the sad thing is it's often because of something that's been a terrible, terrible tragedy, um, a death of a loved one. And, and then, you know, following that with the patient and care board and, and the video that we've talked about, you know, many of those individuals have since passed away from the disease. So it's, it kind of, as Leslie's speaking about, it really kind of brings back to me that, um, for me, definitely the motivation and the importance of having that experience and always putting that out front, always sharing people's direct experience. And Leslie has done that amazingly well. Um, you know, she has created a movement within a movement. It's really, it's really impressive. And. Um, and with so many different tactics in terms of raising awareness and, and changing how health professionals work and think and support people with pancreatic cancer and their care. So I just, I feel when I hear it, I think I'm I'm really proud to have been part of that, you know, experience really and, and to be, and really honoured to have been able to kind of share
1: that with Leslie a little bit. So what happens next then? What, what, what's going on at the moment?
0: Well, I think I think for me, having done the film and been part of the patient and care aboard that initial six, four months or so after Seth died, um, I remember very clearly in the January there was a Pancreatic Cancer Summit, Pancreatic mm-hmm. Cancer UK Summit, where um, predominantly healthcare professionals came along to um, sort of update on progress on research and things like that. And Clara had asked me, along with two other people, to kind of, Present our experiences of care. So there was Debbie, who worked for the charity at the time, who shared her story of Gemma, and there was a lady called Marie, who unfortunately died from pancreatic cancer later. Um, and we did a kind of preamble to launch in the film that we produced. But I remember clearly going to that summit, being absolutely petrified, kind of six months after Seth had died, going and sharing the story. Um, and reading out one of the letters that I'd actually written as part of the journey, and, and kind of how it was feeling. Um, and I remember getting someone to record that and playing that at the summit, and and just feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of the disease, the work that everyone was doing to try and combat the disease, to find some kind of breakthrough, but also to hear from people who'd survived pancreatic cancer. So. I remember that really, really clearly. And I think the two experiences of making the video, having met Clara, making the video, going to the summit, I was absolutely convinced that that I was going to go forward and, and make some changes on the back of that. And had I not had the support of Clara and the charity to do that, then I'm not sure it would have been so easy at that point to kind of walk away and say, well, I've done the little bit that I could do. So, so, in some ways, Clara, the patient and care board, the support of the charity has kind of spurred me on to do some of the things that have been done since. Um, and it's so, it's so nice to chat today with someone who mm-hmm. was there at the very beginning, because actually, Clara probably doesn't understand how pivotal that was for me in terms of bereavement, having a focus, and, and kind of moving forward.
2: I think that's all. Um Powerful, really, and and I feel very much the same way. But I don't think I don't think I could ever put myself in Leslie's shoes or the shoes of someone who's lost someone to pancreatic cancer. So I won't attempt to do that. But I can say that you know, thinking now, reflecting back five years ago, and thinking about those little steps that we took and the, the things that we were in front of us that we sort of grabbed onto and tried to do and make the most of. Um, and now also five years on, I can see when I, you know, I look around, you know, there is a world movement around pancreatic cancer and it's really vibrant and determined. And, um, I see the work that Leslie does and it's just in the UK and it's just unbelievable. It's so important and has such an impact. And I see where the charity pancreatic <clears throat> cancer, UK came, you know, started and is came to, and where they are now. And. I guess for me it's um really honored to be part of that in any little way that I could and and you know honored to know Leslie and to be able to witness what she does and you know I feel very flattered if I have contributed to that in some way I feel you know that's a, a very worthy thing I guess so um but I think it just tells me that you know these things small things can make a difference individuals can make a difference um it just, and, and that motivation and passion and commitment that Leslie has spurned Leslie on has, you know, can move mountains really in in my mind. So it's um, it's actually a wonderful opportunity five years on to have sit here and see Leslie and speak to her and, you know, have a little reflection on how our paths cross that faithful time and, you know, where things have gone from there and the, the kind of things that have been achieved and, of course, what... You know so much more that needs to be done,
0: yeah, and I think there's something for me, five years from Seth's death, mm-hmm. having raised you know been involved in raising awareness and funds and 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 having made this year a conscious decision to kind of step back from that a little bit and to start putting the energy into research and helping to shape yeah. the research, and particularly around psychological impact, psychological support, emotional support, because that, that is an unmet need and it is something that changed. So luckily this week I was able to go to the National Cancer Research Institute upper GI trials meeting, which sounds terribly clinical and terribly boring, but it was full of people who did research and I was able to kind of share from an emotional point of view a kind of summary of what, what's happened over the last five years, how I've used Seth's story to kind of influence um and, and just to really help healthcare professionals be grounded in the emotional impact, the psychological impact, and just connect them to that humanity. Because I think sometimes, particularly for researchers, it's it's very kind of clinical, it's in a laboratory, it's it's doing trials on mice, it's doing all the wonderful things that they do, but actually sometimes I think I'm not saying that they ever forget the patient or the family, but I think it's really good to connect to them. So that, that was a really fulfilling um, experience this week to do that and to see the reaction that I got from um, researchers and surgeons and healthcare professionals around that. Um, and That's really the focus for me going forward around the research and, and kind of connecting that, that to some of the research that's going on internationally, not just within the UK.
2: I'm so pleased to hear that it has been the, the whole area about emotional and psychological support um, has been really overlooked and seen as something that's an add-on or a luxury rather than a core part of, you know, people's care and, and treatment really, you know, if if you were to pick one thing to focus on now, I would say that's perfect. I think it's timely and, so important and and so valuable and would make such a difference if we could kind of get that right um, for patients and carers. I think that's why um, an initiative like World Pancreatic Cancer Day, which happens every November in 2019, it's November 21st, is it's so important and it's grown from the first year in 2014 to this year, 2019, from uh, a really... Um, Popular and impactful event to something that's really has worldwide
1: significance, and it's a day about raising awareness of pancreatic cancer. Now that should have been the end of the interview, but Leslie and Clara then carried on talking. Now, luckily, I hadn't stopped recording.
2: And now, honestly, Leslie, I'm thinking I I really feel badly about dragging you and probably you dragging me and you
0: me dragging you into so much so soon after Seth's death. I think. Gosh, but, but I think I, w- I wanted to do it, so no one was dragging me. There were just times when, especially at the beginning, I could do things, and then times when I really couldn't yeah. do things. And I think yeah. probably what I've learned is is self compassion and kind of self care. And I probably take care of myself much more than I did when Seth was here, because I'm really cognizant of, of when I can do things and when I can't and when I need yeah. to. Back.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I'm guessing it isn't an entirely straight line journey that, you know, it goes back and
0: forward. And that's probably. But I remember really sweet things like you bringing me a bunch of flowers and that meant so much.
2: (laughs) And I remember, I don't know even what we were talking about, but over lunch and really laughing hysterically about something you were (laughs) telling me. And so it's, those are, that's all part of my memory too, just that. Really nice bond, actually, which I'd like to carry on. We've probably been not very good at it, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) but Charlotte feels like it's this is your life or something. Yes, I know. No, I'm listening to this. Going, do you mind if I keep this in the podcast? Because this bit is lovely. (laughs) Oh, I yeah, yeah. But I think it would have been so easy for a charity to sort of deal with somebody in a charity way rather than in a human way and, and to, to take a story and make it about a poster or a video or something on a website and not about the people who were, you know, the emotions and the connections of, of the real people. Mm. And I that, that was the difference at the time, that, that actually Clara's focus was about the people, the relationships, the impact of the loss, the devastation of pancreatic cancer. It wasn't about just producing something that would promote a charity. It was genuinely about the people.
2: And some amazing, including you, I mean, we've met some amazing, amazing human beings, really, you know.
0: I, I remember really clearly at that first patient and carer meeting, Marie, who'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, Who'd had the operation, and I think she'd had chemotherapy, and then she'd run a marathon.
2: Yeah,
0: for Pancreatic Cancer UK. And I remember remember her talking about her diagnosis, and it said to her that she needed to go to the upper GI department. Oh yes, I remember. Didn't know what it was, and she thought it was upstairs on the second floor because <laughs> no one to her. that the GI was upper gastrointestinal, and that was where she needed to go. Yeah, and I remember that really, really clearly. Just how, how could we not explain to someone what was happening?
2: Correct. And it's those, it, I, I'd forgotten that, but yeah. And it's those little insights that are probably most profound, basically. You know, I, exactly. She was thinking it's the upper second floor, you know. Meanwhile, she's going off to something that's going to pull the carpet out from under her feet forever. Yeah. And Steve, he was, yeah, another... Lovely yeah. yeah now we're all melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> Stay there. I'm going to go get a glass of wine.
1: Well, I mentioned to start off with that today is well pancreatic cancer day, and what's really exciting is we can talk now to. Jess, Jess Abelson, who is the chair of the World Pancreatic Cancer Coalition and also with her family set up Purple Our World. Jess is based in Australia. Told you it was global today, didn't I? And uh, she told me all the things that she's getting up to.
3: I guess like I fall under two titles here. So it's co-founder of Purple Our World um, and it's also chair of the World Pancreatic Cancer Day Committee. My family and I founded Purple Our World which is a social media movement dedicated to raising awareness for pancreatic cancer Um, and we founded it in October 2014. My mum passed away in August 2014 so just three months prior Um, and she had been in treatment for 16 months with pancreatic cancer which You know, as we know now is quite a lengthy period of time for many patients. And throughout it, we just kind of felt that we didn't know enough. Um, We didn't really have many places to turn. So we wanted to become a place for other families to turn. And we recognised that a lot of people absorb their information through social media nowadays. So that's where we concentrated our efforts and that's where we still concentrate our efforts. It's all... On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we are there to raise awareness and to be a shoulder for other people to lean on. Um, we get a lot of people venting to us, which is what we're here for. Um, and you know, we just we're all about starting the conversation and keeping the conversation going on social. Um, and then in terms of the World Pancreatic Cancer Day Committee, um, I started on the World Pancreatic Cancer Day Committee when it was first formed. And I sat on it for a couple of years. Um, and when the wonderful Ali Stunt decided her time was up as chair, um, I thought, why not? Let's do it now or never. Um, and so I chaired a committee. I've got a wonderful committee um, around me from all over the world. We've got Gibraltar in there, we've got Italy, we've got Canada, we've got the US, we've got Australia. So it's really a, a well-rounded committee, a well-represented committee from around the world. And we meet on the phone once a month and we coordinate the global World Pancreatic Cancer Day campaign.
1: So not too busy then? Not
3: too busy. <laughs> All good. <laughs> Jess, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind just telling me about your mum? What was she like? Yeah, so it's... um interesting somebody asked me this the other day actually and they had seen a video of her um, after her diagnosis and they said to me you know even after her diagnosis you could see the zest for life in her eyes and I kind of turned around I was like this person had never met my mum had literally just seen a video of her and I said like that was the perfect way to describe her she had this amazing zest for life she was literally the life of every party they would just my parents would just throw parties for the hell of it just because they could um, she had the biggest twinkle in her eye she was loyal um she made just every she wanted to make everyone feel comfortable and she wanted to make sure everyone was happy um and you know she she was also a real big fighter um, you know she would do anything for anybody and I think that You know, that's, I think, what we miss most about her is that loyalty and and the fact that she was always in your corner, regardless of what you had done. Sounds like a great mum. Yes, yes, she was.
1: (laughs) So Purple Our World is all about spreading that message and
3: using social media. What are you doing in particular to do that? So at the moment, um, we see the awareness campaign as a year-round campaign um and throughout the year we you know share all the stats and we share all the symptoms and we try to educate people as much as we can um but we also share people's stories um a lot of people come to us with their stories and they don't uh, feel comfortable talking so we talk for them basically and then as we move into October and November we really start ramping up the official World Pancreatic Cancer Day campaign and that means working alongside all the other World Pancreatic Cancer Coalition members with all of our official assets that are created for us and we share it with you know some personalized copy that we've made um, talking about mum's journey and just we we ask all of our followers to share it and it, it really shows the power of social media when you've got people who you've never met, who've never met the person who your inspiration is, sharing these posts and then talking about their own experiences. And it becomes a domino effect, which is amazing to watch. Um, So, you know, at the moment, obviously, we're a few days out from World Pancreatic Cancer Day and we've really ramped up our social campaigns. We share stories about our ambassadors. We've got... um, to three big Australian um, ambassadors on board with us, a media pers- two media personalities and a rugby league player. Um, all of three of them also lost their mums. Um, coincidentally, it was all of us who lost our mums. And we work with them. They work with us. They share their stories. They go out to media and share their stories in the wider media. And it's just phenomenal to see how everyone just picks up on these stories and starts personalising with their own. How has it helped you? Because I can see how it'll be helping lots
1: of other people, but I bet this has helped you as well as you get through the loss of your mum.
3: Yeah, for sure. Look, a lot of people have turned to us and said, how do you do it? How do you talk about your mum so much? And how do you constantly rehash what happened? And I always turn around and I say, you know what? Everyone grieves in a different way. And it was shown very much in my family as well, we all grieved very differently. I have always been a gung-ho kind of person. I need to get this stuff done. I'll always talk, I'll yell from the rooftops. Whereas some of my other family members withdrew. And it was just our way of, of dealing with it. And that was fine. Um, but now as we go through the motions and we constantly talk about it, it's become very cathartic. It's become part of our healing process. And we talk about it now as it's our new normal. We have to get used to a new normal without mum. And this is a way for us to keep her alive. This is a way for us to honour her legacy. Um, You know, she, as I said before, was the life of the party and she would be relishing the fact that she is the centre of this attention. (laughs) Um, And I think that it's been very good for me personally, but it's also been very good for us as a family Um, We're a very close-knit family and Purple Our World is, is literally just a family around a kitchen table. And doing this together has helped us heal as a family, but also helped us heal individually. And I'm a very strong believer in that the healing process will never be complete. I will always be grieving. I will always be mourning. But this is a way to give my mum back her voice. And she was a very loud, dynamic personality. So it's very important that we keep this voice out there.
1: I love that, that it's a way of giving your mum back her voice. that That's a really strong message, actually, isn't it? And you're doing that not just to your mum, but everybody else who's been affected by pancreatic cancer as well by doing this, aren't you?
3: Yeah, for sure. And we've, we've had big conversations with some people, um, some other family members. And You know, we we all talk about the fact that there are so few survivors and and definitely there are. There are not enough survivors. But one girl who'd recently lost her mum turned around and said to me, you know what, though, Jess, we survived pancreatic cancer because, you know, it takes over your whole life as a family member, as a loved one, as a carer. You, You are going on that journey with the patient. And it's a different journey, but it's still a journey through pancreatic cancer. And I think that that's what Purple Our World and the World Pancreatic Cancer Day campaign does is helps the survivors left behind, including the families, give those that we lost a voice again. And it it raises those voices as loud as we can collectively. And we have to do it collectively because there are so few survivors who can talk for themselves that we have to do it for them. Well,
1: Pancreatic Cancer Day then, what, what have you got planned and how, how do you fit everything in?
3: <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> we, um, w- As Purple Our World, we kind of um, juggle year on year as to how big we go in terms of our campaigns. Um, this year is a quiet year on the Purple Our World front in that we're just having a small family breakfast on the morning of World Pancreatic Cancer Day and that's Again, part of our cathartic healing process is to all be together when, when the morning dawns up. Um, but we work with a lot of charities in Australia who are pancreatic cancer charities. And one thing that Australia is doing this year through a group of guys called the Wish You Were Here team is we are, they've got this massive gala dinner happening on the eve of World Pancreatic Cancer Day with I think about 750 people in attendance. And they're lighting up um, Luna Park, the face of Luna Park, which is an amusement park on our, on Sydney Harbour. And the face will be lit up purple. And, you know, that's, it's a big, it's a big thing for us to see that we lit up the opera house a couple of years ago, which was fantastic. Um, but you know, like all the individual charities, we're all, we we all do our own thing, but then we all support each other as well. And I think a, a big thing about being in Australia is that, we hit World Pancreatic Cancer Day first, and it's very special for us to welcome World Pancreatic Cancer Day this year on the eve with this light-up of this amazing amusement park. And then, you know, as the next 24, 48 hours go on, we watch the domino effect through the world. And it's amazing for us to see that whole process, starting in Australia and effectively ending in L.A., and it's just amazing to see the, the pickup of all the light-ups and all the social media posts and all the politicians and members of parliament getting behind the message we've got a lot of actually members of parliament hopefully getting behind the message this year which is great for us um and we'll just be sitting on social watching watching our feeds turn purple and what's it like watching your feeds turn purple how does that feel it's pretty special. Um, when we started Purple Our World, like we just kind of thought, oh, you know, a couple of our family members and friends will, you know, wear something purple, they'll show something, they'll post on social media and whatever. And and it it took a life of its own. And so many celebrities were retweeting us and so many um personalities were coming on board. And to see that happen and then to watch it happening across the world as well is just I mean, you get chills and I get goosebumps as I sit there every, you know, the third Thursday of November, I sit on my computer all day and I watch it happen. And it's just, you feel like you're making a difference and you feel like, you know, what you're doing matters. And to see the difference from five years ago to now has also been extreme. And it's been absolutely extraordinary to see the whole world, you know, really pick up on this campaign and of course we have more work to do i don't i don't think we'll ever not have more work to do but the difference has been amazing and it's really special to, to see it all happen in real time um through the whole progression of world pancreatic cancer day Thank
1: you, as always, for listening to Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. It means a lot to everybody involved and it just helps spread that awareness. Now, during the conversation that you heard between Leslie and Clara, there was mention of uh, a few people who have sadly died. And we would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Steve Lewis, Jim Harding and Marie Copeland, who I know mean a lot to a lot of people. If you'd like to get in touch, tell us what you're up to for World Pancreatic Cancer Day or Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, or just in general, you know what to do. You can get in touch with us at purplerainbow.co.uk.